Friendless is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Oh, my sweet babies. <laughs> That's a stupid intro. Welcome back to the newest episode of Friendless, the only podcast about losing all your Facebook friends one hour at a time. As always, I am your host, James Avramenko, and this week we have Chelsea Haberlin on the show. Chelsea is the artistic director of New World Theatre in Vancouver, as well as the one of the co-founders of Itsuzu, which is one of my all-time absolute favorite theater companies, which only gave me a couple contracts. So I swear I'm not biased. <laughs> we talk all kinds of fun stuff. The impetus to direct founding companies without permission, intelligence versus curiosity, and the need to make bad art. It is a fantastic episode, and I can't wait to get to it. But before we jump in, I do want to take a second and just say this has been an exhausting week within an exhausting month, wrapped up inside an absolutely exhausting year. And I think it's really important to just take a moment, take a deep breath, and just tell you I love you. Whoever you are, I love you. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling anxious, it feels cheesy, but I am here to talk. Um, I am a licensed nothing, so I can't give you exactly clinical advice, but you need a sounding board, you need somebody to reach out to, I am available for you. You can email me at friendlesspod at gmail.com or message me on any social media platform. Just look for James Avramenko, A-V-R-A-M-E-N-K-O, or friendlesspod. I am on everything you know, um, it might feel odd, but I am available if you need somebody to communicate with. But that is it for me. So let's all take a deep breath together and settle in and enjoy my interview with Chelsea Haberlin here on Randless. Um, but so let's, so, so where we're going to end up is with you as the artistic director of, uh, correct me if I'm saying this wrong. Is it New World Theater? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I just want to make sure just cause it's one of those like blended together words. So I'm never sure if it's like, is it knee world or, you know? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a made up word. I went from one company that had a made up word. It's a zoo mm -hmm. to another company that had made up words. So my entire it. career is correcting people on spelling <laughs> and correcting pronunciation. And it's all good. I love it. So <laughs> where we're going to end up at the end of the story is you as AD for new world. And, but, uh, I'd like to double back and, right. um, um, so we met through UVic and um um and I'm wondering what initially got you into going to theater school and then um and then we'll kind of follow the timeline of how we get you to be in the AD of these companies. Sure. Sure. Um I always I mean this is a very I think traditional theater story in a lot of ways I always 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 made plays it was just the for me playing was making plays my if you 
came over to my house, you were in a play in my basement. I had, you know, a large scale production of Beauty and the Beast in grade four. Like if you came to my birthday, you were handed a script. Like that was just always my thing. And um, yeah, I know. And I, and I, and I, for a while, and I, I was never a very good actor. I thought I wanted to act, but I was always kind of bad at it. I was like too self-conscious and was like always watching the people around me more than I was able to be in it. And um, I realized at a, a certain point that, oh, I just really liked organizing people around creative and artistic endeavors, that there was a way for people to be their kind of most beautiful, realized, authentic selves through artistic creation and culture. And so I, most of high school, that was music for me. I like started a band club and was like in all of these bands and choirs, but again, was like never great at music. Like I can't actually do anything. I can just organize people around. That is thing. an incredible skill and... though, especially in the arts. Like <laughs> that is yeah. such a necessary it's true. skill. <laughs> It's true. I mean, ultimately, it, it has been like, you know, I've been able to find work through this ability yeah. to organize folks and to get people excited about something, yeah. you know. Um, so then at near the end of high school, I did a course that like was so I had this went to this tiny high school, but I was so lucky that they had a, a playwriting and directing class in grade 12. You could do this. And I wrote a play that was basically like it was called truth or dare and it was basically like the breakfast club but a group of kids go to like get trapped in a cabin and what i wrote were roles for um the kind of like cool girl and the like bad boy and the nerd and i cast the people who were those real people in my high school in those roles okay. so i i like and i don't know that they knew i was doing that but i i did and so i had this kind of like theater experiment and i found it incredibly fulfilling to actually like play out what i was experiencing in real life on stage and then when adults saw it in the talkback adults related to it and i was like oh my god i can make something that grown-ups relate to and that they find moving and that reveals something to them about their lives and i was like that's it that's all i want to do that's yeah. it and so I own, yeah, like I just saw that there was so much potential for that. And um, so I only applied to UVic. I didn't apply anywhere else. I just had an idea that that's where I wanted to go. And um, that's what I did. Hell yeah. That's actually, it's funny. I, that was the exact same thing I did with you with UVic. I didn't apply anywhere else, um, which I, I like, I, I found out later I was, very lucky to get away with like i like i think my entire university <laughs> career was like flying by the skin of my teeth but um especially getting in <laughs> oh my god did you did you not have good grades in high school oh god no i i i don't think no? i ever i don't think i ever in any time in my life had high high grades of any kind other than maybe like i took um I took a Bob Dylan class one summer class in UVic, and I, that was the first and only A I ever got. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like you're people like you were interesting to me because you're you're like just a smart person. Like I feel like you're just a, like an intellectual person. I feel like you're highly intelligent, but for some reason not. Like I like I don't know what this uh, this maybe is jumping ahead, but like I remember first meeting you and being like, oh, he's kind of like a bad boy in university, <laughs> like kind of like kind of like fuck the system about the whole thing, and yeah. and I I'm like totally the opposite, like I'm not highly intellectual, like you know I at one point in in high school no in elementary school they thought maybe I was gifted and 
and they gave me the test and they were like, not at all. I just am good with people. So you think I'm smart. Like, <laughs> but I think, but I think you, you, so I, I always got good grades because I worked incredibly hard. Right. So I never really understood people who like were super smart, didn't actually have to work that hard, just kind of had to do the bare minimum and like didn't want to. That I never yeah, made sense I mean, to well, me. That's very kind of you. I really appreciate that. That's very, those are very kind words. I, um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I consider what I am to be intelligent so much as maybe curious. I don't know. I, I, right. I, um, right. because I just, I found myself very uncurious about school. I found that I just, I, it's not that I knew what the teachers were talking about. I just didn't like how they were giving me the information, you know? And even, even when it was, um, classes that I was interested in, I still inevitably found myself resisting the sort of, just the way the information was being relayed because I was like, I don't need to like regurgitate this back to you to prove that I get it. I just want to take it in and, and absorb it and try to apply it to my own world. You know, um, I think about uh, Warwick, Warwick, da um, Oh God, mm -hmm. I was going to say Warwick Davis. Dobson. But, <laughs> yeah, Warwick, <laughs> I wish I knew Warwick Davis, but um, Warwick Dobson, <laughs> the mm -hmm. way he, um, not only would he sort of allow me to approach his classes with it, but how he also really, um, he really imbued the concept of um, how do I use this into me, you know? And, um, and it was less about, it was less about, um, you know, be able to do the test in, you know, and answer the test and more about, well, what are you taking from it to make yourself better? And that's that, that, that lesson really, it, I would probably say it's one of the only things that's truly benefited me out of my time in UVic, but. but um. Wow. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I, I'm envious of that approach because I love the feeling of getting an A and being mm. told that I'm good at something. That is a feeling that really drives me. And like, as I get older, have increasingly realized how problematic that is because you reach a point where like, no one's watching, no one's going to give you an A, like, yeah. then why are you doing this? Yeah. And I, and I, um, and I envy people who are like, well, it's for me. Like, my, like Sebastian yeah. is uh, my, my husband. I mean, you know that Sammy. obviously, but, um, is, it's like that he doesn't do things for people to tell him he's good at them. He yeah. does them because he's interested in them. And I'm like, I just don't, I fucking wish. I mean, I'm better at it now, but mm -hmm. like, like, took a long time. But at the same time, too, what's funny is that you know, for me, I find myself envious of that of the of the ability to commit yourself to excellence. You know, because I find I mm. find what what it's manifested for me is being like fine at a lot of stuff. You know, it's sort of like I almost right. feel like that the, the the personification of the master of none kind of saying of like, yeah, like I know some stuff about a lot of things, but I don't truly believe myself to be excellent at anything, you know, and um, right. And right. so I, I actually I find the the skill and the dedication to truly excel in 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 something. Not that I believe you are a single minded person by any means. I actually am. I'm deeply impressed by how multifaceted you are. But but um. Just your ability to focus is something that I just don't have, you know? Right. And so it's right, funny totally. that we're sort of having well, that, like, grass is greener on the other side thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it makes me think about the pandemic and that I think people who are um, good at many things and can be adaptable and are curious and have their, you know, thumbs in many different pies mm. uh, actually are in a really good place in this situation because if you put – all everything into one pot what's that saying whatever that is if you if you 
you are full in, all in on one thing, mm-hmm. and that thing no longer exists, yeah. like the theater system that is gone, you're like, well, good thing I put every single egg in this basket because it's gone. Like, yeah. oh, good, I'm excellent at a thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> and no, that's that's a bit of an that's a bit of an exaggeration, but that's what it feels like, you know. It does. And it does feel especially right now with um you know, I've been I I was kind of going back over your page a little bit in preparation for the interview and 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 I felt such a resonant um agreement about this feeling of resistance to you know, digital media and pivoting and 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 having to put what should be a play you know in audio or on whatever it might be in zoom and it's just it's it's not that it's worse art and i think that that's been a big problem with the dialogue is that i think we're accidentally using qualitative words to make it sound like it's worse because it's not but it's not mm. what we want you know it's not the different thing we want right and so it's different. yeah it's not nourishing us like there is nothing in this world like being on stage in front of a crowd and feeling them all listen to you you know there's just nothing like it and you you don't get it on zoom even if you do have a wall of faces staring at you it's just it isn't the same as feeling like the magnets of a human body beside you so you initially are one of the founders of of it's a zoo productions which has been a yeah just a, such a such an important sort of it, it's funny because I, I you know i only ever did really one show and then i kind of front housed one show but but it's always remained this like monument in my um mm. my sort of like the mythology of our years of uvic um i've always considered yeah it's a zoo to really be the the sort of peak of it you know and um I'm wondering if there's a way you can like I don't want to say like and sum it up in three words but like but like yeah, how yeah, yeah. do you sum up the formation of that of that theater and and what what was your impetus for it Yeah, I mean I sort of didn't know better. I mm. I thought um <laughs> I okay, that. I'm not No, like truly I just thought I I'm not going to get to direct plays in the way that I want to direct them for many years in this program and and my, you know, my friends are not necessarily getting the roles they want. Why don't we just do it ourselves? I don't see any reason why we couldn't just do it ourselves and have um, grand vision. And because we found this way of making plays that were outside and because it was students on their summer vacations wanting to do it for free, there was almost no cost. So it was sort of like, why not? And I've always found community and and fun through doing something productive with people like for me like you know hanging out with people is fine I'd much rather make something together and I just I just I just love that and so it just felt like the way that I wanted to spend my time and audiences love that shit people love big outdoor spectacles they love it and it was um and everyone was keen, like all the actors were keen, all the designers, everyone just wanted in on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I am just, uh, um, I'm a, I was a bull. I was just like, I'm going to keep this going. I'm going to make this happen. My, my, the thing I said for years was I'm going to do what theater scam did in half the time. And like, <laughs> that was, that was a, a vision that ultimately wasn't possible because they came up in a different time than we did. Yes. And it's a zoo kind of hit a wall in terms of like government funding. Right. Um, but 
at the beginning, wasn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> I am no. so I feel I feel really proud when I think of it's a zoo and I think of those those kind of beginning years and the kind of spirit of like yes that we just went with. There were we didn't see any barriers as barriers. We yeah. just like did exactly what we wanted. And like it was imperfect and like through a 2020 lens, there were all kinds of problematic things there that like, you know, in hindsight I would I would have done definitely differently. But you know, through a 2003, 2004, like, sorry, 2004, 2006, it was in there that it started. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think that it's not really fair to, like, I think, I think it's really important to reflect and to realize where you've come and what you would do differently going forward. But I think that it's, it's far more powerful to, to accept the mistakes and celebrate the victories because I think there were far more victories totally you know and and I um yeah like I say I truly you know often um I feel like it's a zoo and atomic vaudeville collectively imbued and then and then Warwick actually probably is the trifecta of the three but like mm. I think that I was really imbued with this attitude from you of mm. stop waiting you know don't wait for somebody to tell you when it's your turn just do it Right. And and mm-hmm. it'll probably suck. And that's fine because yep. like yep. it has to you it, like um, one of the things I've been kind of harping on all throughout all of this quarantine is especially the very start. You know, you were seeing those memes of like, well, in, when Shakespeare was here in quarantine, he wrote King Lear. And it's like, oh no, God. the fuck he didn't. You know what he did is he had already written oh. 20 fucking plays. <laughs> and then he wrote King Lear. Like, like, get the fuck yeah. off yourself. Like, yeah. And and what I mean by that is less about like you're incapable of writing King Lear, and more about you haven't written twenty plays. So the first play mm-hmm. you write is probably gonna suck. It's just the nature of the beast, yeah. and there'll be good bits in it because you have passion and you're dedicated to it. But the vast majority is gonna blow, and that's awesome. Yeah. It's way better to yeah. make bad art than no art, you know? <laughs> That's something that Canadian artists in general need to really, well, artists in general, but I think especially Canadian artists, um, they need to really uh, hold on to the belief that there will be a breakthrough because I think we, um, we as a culture romanticize young breakthroughs and we don't mm. realize just how mm. rare that truly is. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. so much more common and it is so much more possible to break through mm-hmm. the older you get, you know, um, because so many people give up, right? You know, so it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be Timothy Chalamet or whatever the fuck his name is, but who gives a shit? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I don't want to be yeah. him. He sucks. There's not know? that many. There's not that many Timothy Chalamets. No, you know? there isn't. And, and nor should there be because he's, you know, no. <laughs> he's just awful. But. <laughs> So when you get to um um when you get to like from it's a zoo, so you spend probably the uh, like better part of a decade working on that, or even more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, and more. I I am. It, it's really just in this last year that I that I like officially transitioned out of my nice. uh, artistic producer position. So that was like like I don't know, like thirteen years, fourteen years, wow. thirteen years. Um, so yeah, long long time, and like. Yeah, successfully moved the company from Victoria to Vancouver, started again in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. No one in Vancouver cares about you, Vic, no, or you, Vic students, or Victoria. Could <laughs> not care, doesn't care. Actually, yeah. maybe lose cred. Like, it was just, yes. like, went from being so great at Victoria to so hard. And then just kind of, like, slowly kept going, just determined, just kept doing it. Um, 
so yeah, yeah. Until and then and then about six years ago, I got uh, after I got my master's in directing at UBC as a way of kind of like uh, find because you know my my undergrad degree. Well, I mean you, you know this because this is the program we met in was an applied theater mm-hmm. degree, so it was not actually directing, but I realized that I wanted to direct more and that UBC really is the program that teaches you how to direct a nice clean play for the arts club. It's like, this is the way. That actually really dovetails into something I sort of, a leading part of it is this idea of something I always tell my students is um, it's not necessarily the school you study in. It's what city do you want to work in? That's the school you should go to. Yes. Because very often, like you say, they, they teach you what, the theaters of that city want and i wanted vancouver to know that i took this seriously yeah. i was going to do this i was going to be in for the long haul and i wanted to find a way to make that pretty pretty clear and to meet people that i wasn't meeting because no one was paying attention right. and um so i got that degree and, and and as soon as i graduated um started as resident producer at New World. So I had this kind of like, you know, coming together of two things at once where I got the degree and it wasn't really about the degree. It was about meeting people and, and, um, and then started working within an, an institution. And, and because of my applied theater background, like community engaged theater background, New World just was the perfect fit. Like I, I knew all of the things that they were doing and they didn't use the same language that I had was accustomed to through applied theater, but it, it was the same intention, the same values. Um, and then I just kind of never left. Like it was supposed to be a one-year position. Then it was a two-year position. And then I got a different position. And then I just kind of stayed. And Marcus was like super done with running the company. And I was like, I'm, I'm in. I'm here for it. And you know, it's funny because it's like, you know, from an outside perspective, sometimes it's like, oh, like I wish, I wish we could have known those positions were up. But then it's also like it's so – I think that it's actually really beautiful to have what's essentially an interior um, mentorship, right? And it's sort of like learning the yeah. ropes of the company, you know. And 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 if you you know, and to sort of double it back, it's like if you wanted that role, make a role, right? You know, like there's always it's room true. for art, you know. There's always room right. for another theater. There's no one telling you you can't do it. It's only you, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a complicated question, this whole, um, brought up from inside the company or posted and brought in externally. Like it's difficult. And, you know, in Vancouver, there's this past month, there's been a whole, a number of people who were kind of embedded within companies and then stepped into leadership roles. And, um, I think that's hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people. And I, and I, and I get that. And I have, I very quietly stepped into my role and right. didn't, you know, we didn't put out a big press release. We didn't have the picture with me with my arms crossed leaning on the wall. Like we didn't do that <laughs> because we didn't, we didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted it to be like, I'm still within the organization. I just have a different job description. Sure. Like I didn't, it made me really uncomfortable and um, it still does actually. And I, and I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. Like there's a struggle I've had in relationship to this position because of the way that that I came into it and because of the mandate of the company. Um, So yeah, there's a lot there. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Conexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union.
How would you personally define what a what a friendship means, especially in the sort of modern context of the world? Yeah, I think that my answer to that has changed a lot as I've gone through as I've gotten older. Um, but I, when I think in my friendships that have endured, it's largely been about um, reliability mm-hmm. and. Um, really uh listening and paying attention and remembering like there's something about people who know things and remember things about you that like and like note those things and and pay attention I don't know there's something about that that like seems really simple but kind of is everything like there are a lot of acquaintances that I have but when I see them I know that they don't remember what they've told me and they retell me the same things or like they ask the same questions or they're not and I and I just like as I've gotten older felt like yeah that's not really friendship to me like that's not really the thing like and and those things more so than actual like friends with the people you saw all the time like as I get older I'm like it's not even really that because you go through periods I've gone through periods of time where like it's just becomes really hard to see anyone other than my baby and my husband and my parents because they're caregivers like you know like there's yep so it's not actually about who I see it's about who's on my mind I think that that's such a beautiful summation of a of a sentiment that I really do agree with I think this idea I, I love the way you put it of like of like what people remember telling you. And I think that that's something mm-hmm. that um, I think, especially in the theater world, that that's something that I'm really observant of um, because, you know, mm. I can't tell you how many people I've met a dozen times and they introduce themselves to me every single time. And, Ugh. and I'm like, how dare you? Like, like, look, maybe I'm not going to yeah. give you a job, but like, I'm still a person. And I remember your fucking name, you know? Um, and it's just, it's little 100%. things like that, right? It's little things like that where I'm like, oh yeah, we're, we're good here. <laughs> you know? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. But I do love that idea of what do you remember? And, and I, I think, I think what, what that makes me think of is, is, um, this idea of being seen and being validated. And what's so important mm-hmm. about friendship is feeling like you're worthy of being present with this person right and um you know Mm -hmm. um, so much of my personal work and growth and and things that I've been not only trying to unpack in myself but in terms of interaction is is you know um ingrained shame and ingrained um worthiness Mm -hmm. and imposter syndrome and all Mm -hmm. these different things that bounce around and this idea of being um worthy of being present and uh and I think for me uh, you know, like you say, it's this idea of like being remembered is so vital to that of like, yeah, mm-hmm. you do know I was a shithead or you do know I said something, yes. wrong, but that's okay because like, yes. you also remember that I'm well-intentioned or whatever it might be, you know, whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm just, just you know, spitballing the thing. Absolutely. But, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's Yeah. Really and cool. like, and like that it, yeah, that it like doesn't matter if you're you're the best person or a perfect person all the time that these people will just kind of see you for all that you are and yeah. maybe, you know, feel okay to take the piss, like which feels important that there's people in your life who are like, oh, you suck at this thing. And you're yes. like, oh, no, I suck at this thing. Instead of being so careful, like yes. if there are people that you're not, you don't have to be all that careful around. Um yeah, it doesn't mean not kind. It no. just means you don't have to walk on eggshells. Yeah, and that's, again, that's something I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, I, I find that especially with, you know, social media and the toxicity of, you know, Twitter and Facebook 
that um, a lot of times people are terrified of saying the wrong thing because they're worried who's mm-hmm. going to ruin them. And and obviously mm-hmm. that doesn't factor in people who are genuinely toxic. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that that tier of behavior trickles down into people who are just worried about misspeaking or worried about maybe being angry yeah. or, or, you know, um, it, it feels like sometimes it applies a level of sort of um, behavioral censorship, but but we apply it to ourselves and that makes everybody so stressed out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think being able to fuck up every now and then is such a key element, not only of just the human existence, but especially in friendships is, is you know, cause, and, and obviously there are yeah. gradients to it. Obviously there is one thing to, to misspeak about one subject and a whole other thing about something you know, a little more important, right? You know, I, I always double back to like, you know, uh, uh, human rights aren't opinions. <laughs> you know, I think that's a, that, that mm-hmm. for me is generally yeah, a pretty right. easy one. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. no, it's not an opinion if you're dehumanizing someone, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, but yes, uh, absolutely. Know. Which seems so, it does not seem so common sense, but clearly it not. It feels like it should be. <laughs> I know. But, uh, but then there's other things that, you know, like, I think we do need to be prepared to interact with people who don't necessarily one for one share our beliefs about any number of things. Right. And, and, yeah. and that that should be okay. But, uh, but, you know, any number, and there's obviously any number of factors that go into it, but. Uh... Um, it's kind of related to that first one. Um, how has your relationship to friendship changed as you've gotten older? Oh, yeah. I I think you're, I, I, you know, the way you talked about how the sort of definition has moved as you've gotten older. And I, I think for me, I think it all comes back to the ability to be comfortably vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm somebody who I, I would love to feel, uh, how do I say this? I, I would love to be more vulnerable more regularly. Um, and a mm-hmm. lot of my, a lot of my art, revolves around unpacking sort of masculine masking and allowing Mm. you know allowing yourself to be more vulnerable you know whether it's as easy as crying or whether it's as complex as understanding you know shame mechanics or whatever it might be um and and i think that for me a friendship now you know because you know 15 years ago a friendship was somebody i could get blind stoned with and play video games for all day and for me now it's more about being able to just be uh, honestly vulnerable around someone. And, 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 yeah. and that's not to say, like, you need to always be ready to unpack my daddy issues <laughs> or whatever the fuck, right? But, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I think being able to go places, that for me is a genuine friend. And, and, mm. um, and everyone else, does, that doesn't make people bad, right? That doesn't make people bad people. It just means, you know, we're acquaintances or we're connections or we're coworkers or whatever it might be, you know? And, and absolutely. You know, absolutely. One of the sort of driving factors of this show is, is this idea of calling everyone a friend. And it's like, well, are we friends? Like, is that like, because uh, mm. I, I don't think we are. And that's cool. Like, that's super fun. We don't have to be friends to be nice to each yeah. other <laughs> you know like i can still respect yeah you. I yeah do well. i don't have to be your fucking friend though <laughs> totally totally i love that i love the question at the at the heart of this what 
what um, is your earliest memory of seeing something on Facebook? Like, what is your earliest memory of like engagement on that platform? Ooh. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, because I don't know if it's necessarily like the first thing, but it's sort of the earliest that sticks out in my mind it yeah. would be um oh man what would it even be i think like seeing somebody's photo album and being like oh oh that's what people are using this for okay and then like making a photo album of my own and putting it up and being like this feels weird and invasive but I guess I'm doing it because that's what we do, <laughs> you know, like up at that up until that point, I had basically yes. used it as like um, I would message the smart kid in like theater history and be like, can you send me the notes that I missed? And seeing it be used as photos, I think, was the shift for me of like, oh, this is like a little this is like a little narcissist party. OK, here we go. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that that's mine too, is seeing photos from a party yeah. the night before and realizing what this was. Being yeah. like, holy shit, I didn't know those pictures are being taken. Second of all, they're on the internet. Yeah. Like and, and then and then doing that. Then every time there was a party, those like big nasty parties that used to happen at at my place and Trevor's place and yep. like all those pictures being out in the world. Yep. Oh my god. I still um, worry about that to this day because I don't have control over those. And so it's like, yeah. I'm untagged, but they're still on the internet. No. I, I think for me, the day it died was the day my mom friend requested me. That was when I was like, all right, Aww. party's over, boys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're done. You know, speaking of, you know, speaking of being in quarantine, speaking of theater being dead for God knows how long, you know, uh, ideally, you know, uh, the idealist says another year at least. Right. And uh, that's like, mm -hmm. I think that they're being dreamers. But, um, you know, with digital mm -hmm. media, with social media, with how we interact, um, what do you think it takes to be a good friend in 2020 and forward? Yeah, I wonder about that. I, I often don't I don't know that I'm a good friend. Like, I don't I don't know that I am I'm not, I'm not great at keeping in touch with people um but the but with the people who are kind of like undeniably my BFFs mm -hmm. um the thing that I have noticed is that being it was similar actually to when I first had a baby like when you first have a baby you you don't see a lot of people because it's hard to see people. It takes a lot. Sure. But the people who check in a lot, the people who like text a lot or call or like plan, make sure to plan the next visit, like those people who just are kind of consistent. I found a similar thing throughout 2020 that the people who just like, you know, I know, oh, I will hear from them. Yeah. I know that we will connect with each other and that um, that's been really important and and that it's okay to not be okay that like for me my really valuable friendships are people who aren't like no it'll be fine it'll be fine but people who are like yeah that that does suck and like <laughs> I'm totally there with you and it's totally fine that you had to put on your fanciest outfit and do a full face of makeup and hair just to be able to get on a zoom call today because you there you didn't have any there was no other way to motivate yourself yeah. to like be a person you know what I mean yep. the people who like just understand I've I've found that really important that I can do that for them too because it's not it's just not about physical presence anymore like, and yep. none of those like 
there's no birthday parties. There's no, there's nothing. Checking in has felt really vital. Consistent presence without physical presence. Yeah. I think that that's so, I think that's so spot on, you know, and I think that, um, you know, it's funny. It almost, it, it almost sort of contradicts what I just said about what, you know, what I value in friendship, but it is, it is spot on where you like, you know, it's almost like, I think, I think it's almost like you have to be sure you're right with yourself before you can check in. Cause I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's like, I think it's okay for people not to check in. And yet at the same time too, it's so special when they do. And it's so, I'm so grateful for it. Like you say. And, um, and, and I think a lot of people, myself included, I think, um, I stop myself from checking in because I tell myself, Oh, they don't want to hear from me. They don't care. They've got Mm -hmm. other people to hear from and they, they'll, they'll be happy to hear from them, not from me. And so I don't. And it's like, what harm is there to say hello to somebody? The worst case scenario is they don't, they don't answer, you know, which is like no different from if you hadn't sent it. So what's the big deal? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have definitely been doing more of that, especially with friends who I know live alone or, or people who I know have recently moved or like, if I think of them, I let them know. Um, and I, and I don't think I would have always done that, but that, that feels in 2020 pretty vital. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Chelsea, like, you know, I, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but I genuinely feel like we could talk for hours and, and it's just, it is such a, I agree. It's, I, it's so, you know, conversations like this are so, you know, you want, you want to speak about, you know, being a good friend. Like for me, it's not really necessarily about consistency so much as quality, you know, and, uh, Mm, and, um, this type of conversation is so nourishing for me and it's so vital for me and um and i'm just so grateful that you took the time out of your life and decided to 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 talk to me you know and and uh no matter how long it took i'm I'm so so grateful (laughs) thank you i'm i'm so glad i did too there's something about checking in with old university friends where it feels like we came from the same womb or something do you know what i mean like we're all kind of family and it doesn't matter how long you just kind of feel like we have a similar upbringing. Um, so that's, yeah, it's really meaningful. I'm really, I'm really glad we got to check in and I'm sorry that I don't get to follow what's happening with you on Facebook anymore. I'm sorry to lose (laughs) You know what? Uh, very little uh, happens on Facebook in my life. So don't even worry about it. You're not missing anything. Now, if you're, if you're missing, you know what? I still have you on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) I still have you on Instagram. Okay, you know yeah. what? That's actually mostly where. Okay, good. Yeah, no, Email and that's the thing good. that it's like, I'm not, <laughs> which kind of defeats the purpose. Exactly. Well, that's that's just it. It's like it's literally the running joke of the show is that I unfriend on Facebook, and if we're not already Instagram friends, we immediately become Instagram friends, and so it's like oh, that's nothing funny. changes, you know. But uh, oh, I love that. That's great. We okay, well, I'll one keep last watching thing you before on. we go. That we got to oh, yeah. do. So I'm gonna pull up your what account. Oh. And oh, we do it right. Oh, we do it right here live. I absolutely love your cover cover photo. I just think that that's such a God. Those those kinds of photos are so magic. Just like it's like a Where's Waldo of just like beautiful people. (laughs) I love it so much. Here we go, Chelsea Haberlin. Oh, it's good. Good knowing you, buddy. (laughs) We are no longer Facebook friends. Oh, oh, what a relief. Get off this platform. Okay, great. You know, sometimes it does feel like a little bit of like a, a weight off, you know, it's like, okay, okay, one less. Here we go. <laughs> yes. But, um, it's totally, but you know, um, 
thank you. Like, thank you so much for, for doing this. And just thanks for like, you know, this sounds cheesy, but like, thank you for being you, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm really, I count myself very lucky to know you and Sebi and, and, you know, even though like, obviously we've been predominantly peripheral for, you know, (laughs) last eight years Mm -hmm. or wherever the fuck it's been, but, um, but I still, I really hold you in a really, in a, just a monumentally high regard. And I just, um, just seeing you continue to work and push and pursue what you're doing is just, it's endlessly inspiring so i just um oh I just thanks wish so you much all I'm the so well with every, all, all the best all the well with everything <laughs> all the well thank you and that's it thank you once more to chelsea for coming on the show and just being a fantastic person i wish her all the best going forward um if you like the show please be sure to share it with your friends tell everybody all about friendless and how it's just the best friggin podcast this side of whatever other podcast you like be sure to please rate and review the show especially on apple podcasts it's a massive help for me and it is an easy way for you to support the show um i am still putting out the challenge to listeners to write in and tell me their thoughts on what they think it takes to be a good friend today if i get enough answers i will read them out on a future show uh send me your answer at friendlesspod at gmail.com or on any social media either at friendlesspod or through my personal account, UnAverageMango. That's it for me. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to breathe. Um, I've been doing a fresh focus on meditation this last month, and I'll tell you, I am still very anxious. But sometimes I'm a little less anxious. Maybe it'll help you too. Go sit quietly somewhere away from your phone. But come back next week, where my guest will be Angus Wilson a vagabond musician currently based out of Nashville. But that's next week. For now, keep sweet and take care. Fun and safety, y'all.